MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Today, Trump has refused to follow the rules of the court, so he will not be giving closing arguments in the New York Attorney General's civil fraud trial today. Republicans in the Ohio House have voted to override Governor DeWine's veto of a bill that would ban gender-affirming care. The Biden administration backs legislation to seize $300 billion in Russian assets to pay for Ukraine. The U.S. House Judiciary Committee has advanced a resolution to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress after a clown show hearing this morning. Lauren Boebert did not punch her husband in the face. A man who leapt over the bench and attacked a judge in a Nevada courtroom has been charged with attempted murder. And Chris Christie has dropped out of the presidential race. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, my friend. Happy Thursday. And to you, which in California, we know is Friday because yeah. we, had, <laughs> we had an assembly meeting and declared it the weekend back in 1987. How are you? There you go. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Um, uh, you know, I'm good. I'm good. Up early again. Up early again to go to the gym. Um, no, I'm proud no hearing this morning, but I wanted to watch some of that. <laughs> Some of that congressional hearing. We'll talk about that in a minute. Are you afraid of my words? Oh my God. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Mark Just, Taylor Green. Oh God. Porn expert. Um, yeah. And and we're gonna talk about that tomorrow on the beans as well with John Fugelsang, because tomorrow is Fugelsang Friday. I'm also gonna ask him about the Pope condemning surrogacy, which is weird because Mary was a surrogate. I think. Yep. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that sort of that conversation. We always have great conversations with Fugel Singh. Um, we have a lot of news to get to today, but we do have some quick hits. So let's do that first. And to make a long story short, too late. First up, the House of Representatives. Oh, my God. The House of Representatives was a shit show this morning. The hottest club in D.C. is the House of Representatives Senate Judiciary Committee. Hunter Biden showed up to testify. I think this was the Oversight Committee, James Comer's Oversight Committee. Republicans refused to hear his testimony. But then the House Judiciary voted to hold him in contempt of Congress anyway. The resolution will now go to the full House for a vote, I think. Uh, I have a feeling if they make a criminal referral to the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland might actually appoint another special counsel <laughs> to weigh the charges because I don't think it would be, uh, I mean, you know, I don't think it'd be a good idea for the guy who Hunter Biden's father appointed to be attorney general deciding whether or not to charge him. Um, charges are not warranted either way, but we'll see what happens. Hunter walked out of the chamber earlier today, just as Marjorie Taylor Greene was about to bray, taking all the cameras and news coverage with him, which pissed her off. Moskowitz wore a tie with a Smurf on it, which is glorious because <laughs> Comer called him a Smurf that one time. Raskin called Marjorie Taylor Greene a porn expert. Dems were on fire. And we will have a lot of those clips and commentary on the next cleanup on L45. That clip, by the way, from Raskin, everyone's going to want to see it. It's pretty beautiful. It's great. All right. This next quick hit, Chris Christie has dropped out of the GOP presidential race after lots of pressure to do so in order to get Nikki Haley his votes in early primary states. Now, Christie announced his withdrawal Wednesday night at an event in New Hampshire and has gone straight to his private beach. Yes, we were just... Not true, just, but you know. 
<laughs> I was just watching it. Apparently, he was on a hot mic before he went up on stage and said, Nikki Haley's going to get smoked. And uh, DeSantis called him petrified. Like, it was not a good thing, especially oh, if he was going to endorse either one of those candidates. <laughs> uh, I think he should just endorse Joe Biden. Um, but, I love uh, that you uh, act like... Re- um, but I love that you act like Republicans won't endorse someone that has just destroyed them. I mean, Trump called said that what <laughs> Ted Cruz's father assassinated JFK and his wife was I don't, a whore. I don't even know all the things he said. And then <laughs> Ted Cruz was like, he's a horrible human being, and I endorse him for president of the United States of America. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Christie will, um, just because his whole campaign was about keeping Trump out of office. Uh, yep. But now it's, it's going to be hard for him to endorse Nikki Haley, who he just said is going to get smoked. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> talking about how she's spending all this money on advertising and TV commercials. And, and then uh, it goes on to say, you know, basically debase Ron DeSantis. It's, uh, and, and I think it's too late kind of for anybody else to join the campaign. Uh, you know, we were all I like, know. Ooh, is yeah. Liz Cheney going to jump in? Is, is Brian Kemp going to jump in? But the friggin' it's happening like soon. So I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening. Also, Trump has chickened out and he blew up a deal that would have allowed him to give some of the closing arguments today in the New York attorney general civil fraud trial. There were some fiery emails that went back and forth between Judge Goran and Trump lawyer Chris Kyes, and we'll go over those in detail on Clean Up on All 45. But the bottom line is that Engoron said, Trump was like, I would like to give closing arguments. Engoron's like, sure, here's the rules for closing arguments in a court of law. And his lawyer, Chris Kyes, was like, that's so unfair. He, he should get to say whatever he wants, basically. And, and Angeron's like, no, you can't talk about irrelevant shit. You can't make a campaign speech. You can't come after the, my law clerk. No, these are the rules. And you have until noon to, to accept them or, or don't. And they never heard back. So he said, all right, well, Trump's not giving his closing arguments, I guess. Um, so that's, that's what's going on there. Trump is already whining about it. It's unfair. I've, I'm forced to travel to New York to maybe give a co- closing arguments from the judge and the racist attorney general. It's just, we knew that I told you yesterday, yeah, right? You sure this did. All he's going to, he's going to ask for something he can't have. And then when he can't have it, he's going to cry about being treated unfairly and raise a bunch of money off of it. So don't send him any money. And not that anybody listening to this program would. (laughs) All right. We have a lot of uh, other news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from Daniel Flatley at Bloomberg, President Joe Biden's administration is backing legislation that would uh, seize some $300 billion in frozen Russian assets to help pay for reconstruction of Ukraine, a shift as the White House seeks to rally support in Congress to further fund the war against Putin's forces. The administration welcomes, in principle, a bill that would allow it to confiscate the funds, according to a November memo from the National Security Council to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. The bill would provide the authority needed for the executive branch to seize Russian sovereign assets for the benefit of Ukraine. That's what the NSC said in the memo. One of three such communications seen by Bloomberg News. Biden's support of the move emerges as Republicans in Congress have blocked more than $60 billion in funding for Ukraine, partly over concerns that Washington is carrying too much of the financial burden as Kyiv's counteroffensive is stalling a bit. The White House is seeking to balance that with competing worries that the move could taint the reputation of the U.S. financial system and spark a a flight from the dollar. 
The administration also wants to align the move with a group of seven, the G7 allies, particularly in Europe, where about 200 billion of the frozen Russian assets are held and where support for seizure, particularly unilaterally, has been lukewarm. Administration officials, including Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, have said in the past U.S. law does not allow seizure of sovereign assets, which were frozen after Russia's February 2022 invasion of Ukraine. While the White House wasn't seeking such authority from Congress as recently as this summer, its position began to shift as it became clear that Republicans were hesitant to approve more taxpayer funds for Kyiv, and that's according to a person familiar with the situation. The bill, the Rebuilding Economic Prosperity and Opportunity for Ukrainians Act, uh, that is sponsored in the Senate by Jim Risch of Idaho and Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island. In protest over the legislation's lack of progress, Risch, the top Republican on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, has placed a hold on the Biden administration's nominee for Deputy Secretary of State, Kurt Campbell, until the bill comes up for a vote in committee. Quote, there is broad bipartisan agreement in the Senate, said Risch in a statement. After a year of negotiations, it's past time for the committee to consider the legislation. Democrats and Republicans on the committee disagree on two key points in the bill. The proposed legislation requires Biden to coordinate with G7 to seize the assets, but doesn't require their approval, which some fear risks allowing the U.S. to move unilaterally. It totally does, by the way. It also includes language designed to block Russia from challenging the seizure in U.S. courts, which may be potentially vulnerable to constitutional challenges. So we'll see what happens. All right. Thank you, A.G. This one's from ABC. The Ohio House has voted to override Governor Mike DeWine's veto against Ohio House Bill 68 in a 65 to 28 vote. Now, the bill would ban transgender minors from receiving gender affirming medical care and prevent transgender girls from taking part in women's sports. The Ohio Senate will vote on whether to override the veto on January 24th. Legislators need 60% of the vote in both houses to override it. Now, physicians who provide the gender-affirming care for trans youth would be, and I quote, subject to discipline by the applicable professional licensing board under this legislation. This whole thing is just fucking bullshit. Now, the bill includes exceptions for this kind of care for non-transgender youth. My head wants to explode. A grandfather clause allows transgender people already receiving care to continue to do so. Not a fucking favor to them. It should be their right. At least 21 states have implemented restrictions on access to gender-affirming care, many of which have faced legal challenges, as we know. A law banning gender-affirming care for minors in Arkansas was ruled unconstitutional by a federal judge, and similar laws have been blocked in Georgia, Indiana, Idaho, Texas, and Montana while the cases are tried. Now, DeWine vetoed the bill, saying that he agreed with several concerns highlighted by the legislature. However, he said he believed the bill, as written, would harm transgender youth and impede on families' ability to make decisions after speaking with those who would be impacted by the legislation. Well, for youth approaching puberty, puberty blockers are, by the way, a reversible, I repeat, a reversible form of gender-affirming care that allows children to pause puberty and explore their gender identity without the growth of permanent sex characteristics that may cause further stress. That is according to physicians, by the way, interviewed by ABC News. Now, hormone therapy for older teens, it helps align a patient's physical appearance with their gender identity. Patients are given estrogen or testosterone, and the changes from these medications occur slowly and are partially reversible. Now, surgeries on adolescents are rare, very rare, and only considered on a case-by-case basis. Physicians have also told that to ABC News. Now, gender-affirming care has been called safe and effective by more than 20 major national medical associations, 
including the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Medical Association. The AMA has said this care can be medically necessary to improve the physical and mental health of transgender people. And I will add that it saves lives. Mm-hmm. Now, transgender youth are more likely to experience anxiety, depressed mood, suicidal ideation, and suicide attempts due to discrimination and gender dysphoria. That's according to Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Research has shown that hormone therapy can improve the mental health of transgender adolescents and teenagers. Um, that's from a recent study in the New England Journal of Medicine. And then when asked if he had thoughts on the sports restrictions in the bill, DeWine said, and I quote, he focused on the part of the bill that I thought affected the most people and the most children by far, referring to the gender-affirming care portion of the bill. Now, I want to point out that I don't know why this hasn't been covered more in the news. He signed an executive order that was even more restrictive than the bill that they were trying to pass that he vetoed, by the way. And so this whole charade, I don't even understand, A.G., what the hell's going on in Ohio. This whole charade with they're getting ready to override the veto isn't going to matter because he just signed an executive order that still hurts the transgender community. So DeWine's no hero. And everything he said about listening to the families and all that went right out the window when he did that, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, Terrible news. I'm assuming that the Senate Republicans will do the same in that state. Next up from Sky Palma at Raw Story. Police in Colorado have determined that Rep. Lauren Boebert did not commit domestic violence during an altercation at a restaurant with her ex-husband. This is from WESH Channel 2. Jason Boebert, that's Jason with a Y, accused the congresswoman of punching him in the face, but then later retracted that claim. Quote, due to a lack of any evidence, the allegations of domestic violence against uh, Boebert, Lauren, are unfounded, and the investigation into Rep. Lauren Boebert is closed. That's what the police said. Boebert's ex-husband had been arrested on weapons and assault charges stemming from the apparent altercation with her at a restaurant in Silt, Colorado, over the weekend. He's been arrested and charged. On Tuesday, he said the argument stemmed from a conversation in which he told Boebert he wanted her back. And, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got I I do want to say on a serious note. Sorry. Uh that's okay. That you know what you know what I think of Lauren Bobert. Yeah. Uh but this kind of abusive ex-husband bullshit, yeah, is never is no bueno. I agree with you 100%. Now, I don't know. I haven't seen the videos of what happened. Um but this sounds to me like he made some shit up. They looked into it and he's the one who got arrested. If that's the case, I hope that justice is served. I just, I have a very hard time with that woman. All right. Uh, last in this segment, this is from Dennis Romero at NBC. Now the man who leaped and I, I hope you've all seen this video. It's actually terrifying. I've watched it's it a couple so of times. The man who leaped at a judge over the bench as he waited to be sentenced has been charged with attempted murder of the Nevada courtroom attack, by the way, in that attack. Now, it was one of multiple allegations filed against Redden, who happened to be 30, who was who has also been accused of battery on a protective person, extortion by threat, and intimidating a public officer. He was charged Monday in, in Clark County District Court in connection with the attack on January 3rd, widely seen uh, via courtroom security video. Well, before the attack last week, Judge Mary K. Holthus had said Redden's prior record necessitated, and I quote, a taste of something else besides the virtual freedom he sought in an unrelated case alleging attempted battery with substantial harm. Now, he vaulted, and I mean 
vaulted himself over a defense table, dived across the judge's bench and landed on top of the judge, slamming her head against a wall, striking on the head and pulling out her hair. That's according to an arrest report. Holfus was treated for injuries on site after she hid under a desk as court off officials brawled with Redden. This was from the Las Vegas police re- arrest report. Now, relative later took Holfus to a hospital for pain. This is again in the report. Now, Holfus was back in her courtroom the day after the attack. My goodness. Mm-hmm. And on Monday, she completed the sentencing and ordered Redden to spend up to four years in prison for the unrelated baseball bat attack last year. Now, Chief Judge Weiss later described Redden's actions as supermanning over a judicial bench and called it unprecedented behavior. The courtroom marshal, Shane Brandon, charged Redden. Brandon dislocated his shoulder, by the way. The, the, the marshal dislocated his shoulder and sustained a face laceration. That's what the police report said. Redden's accused of punching a corrections officer and a law clerk involved in the melee. If a melee seems like an understatement, sustained cuts on his hand. And that's also from the report. Prosecutors also allege Redden spit on a law um, enforcement officer during the courtroom violence. Redden's attorney did not immediately respond to a request for comment, probably because there was no way to defend this. And the arrest report says Redden told officers searching him after the attack that he had tried to kill the judge. Hmm. He was having a bad day, he said. That's according to the document. The whole thing was horrifying, and I'm glad the judge is relatively okay. Okay, so t- Tuesday I had kind of a bad day. Yep. Um, but I didn't dive over a defense table and Superman myself over a bench and slam a judge's head into the wall and pull her hair out. Yeah. Awful. It uh, was awful. It was, it was terrible. It, it like gave me a panic attack watching that video. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. It was scary. It was really scary. All right, everybody. After that, and after this DeWine story, we definitely need some good news. You can send your good news to us, dailybeanspod.com, and click on contact. Also, patrons, keep an eye on your inbox, January 20th. That's nine days from now. Noon, noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, January 20th, on my birthday. Yeah. Because you're RSVPs to uh, the DC meet and greet with me, Pete Strzok, Andy McCabe, Dana Goldberg. Uh, who's Dana Goldberg again? I don't I know, some remember. comic chick. Yeah, but I thought she was a producer. Whenever time I Google <laughs> um, we have Olivia Troy, Glenn Kirshner, Danny Hodges, Harry Dunn. Uh, you know, of course, pending other events. You know, Harry Dunn's running for Congress now. You, my friend, might have some HRC galas you need to attend. But uh, we're all going to be there. And and the, those RSV, you have to RSVP, first come, first serve. Only the first 150 people are going to make it because that's what the fire marshal told us. <laughs> it's the max cap. It's not up to me. Uh, and so if you want to become a patron and sign up for this, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact or go to patreon.com slash Mueller. She wrote, everybody will be right back with the good news. Stick around. We'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play what the whatever, we need a name for that. 
We need a name for like what the menagerie, like what the Noah's Ark, whatever it is, we need a name for that. Send that in to us if you want. Shout out to a loved one. Shout out to yourself. Shout out to a small business in your area or your small business. Theses and dissertation titles, whoopee stories, blanky stories, stuffed animal stories, holiday photos, happy places, anything at all. Baby pictures, frog orgies, anything you want to send in to us, dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. And I always wonder... Like how many new listeners, because, you know, our listenership increases every week. And I'm wondering who is listening to this for the first time and hearing me say baby pictures and frog orgies (laughs) and like wondering (laughs) how we got to this point, you know? Um, And and I'll tell you, we love baby pictures and I like like pictures of piles of frogs. It's it's just now it's part of the vernacular. So I just wanted to put that out there. You might also wonder what the kitchen table days are. We hear that a lot here in the good news. Uh, when I started the Muller She Wrote podcast, we did it from my kitchen table. So those are the kitchen table days. The sound was horrible. You could hear the refrigerator in the background. Um, I think we were using like handheld beat up Shure SM57 microphones, <laughs> a four channel recorder from when I was in a band in 1994. So uh, those are the kitchen table days of the Muller Shiro podcast. Sounds like so good people times. who have been a listener. Sounds like- it was good. It was, you know what? It really was. So people who've been listeners since the kitchen table days, big ups. You're OG. I love you. All right. Send everything into us. Dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. First up from Scott. Pronouns he and him. Hey there. I've been listening since the earliest days of Muller She Wrote and really appreciate all that you do. I wanted to give a shout out to my amazing wife, Mary who at 64 just achieved her fourth degree black belt and title of sensei in Shotokan Karate. She is my anchor and my strength. And probably don't mess with her, Scott. Seriously. For pet tax, here are my best friends, Petra the cat and Peter. Peter is an uber mutt with at least 16 breeds involved. Do we have, well, we don't have any answers. So we that can means just- we're going to be correct. Yes. Catahoula. There's some chow in there. Probably some pity. Healer, a chihuahua. Lab. What's that pit, one we're supposed chihuahua. to mention yeah. all the time that keeps coming up now in all of the dogs? The Catahoula. That's the right. Catahoula. Beautiful pets here. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful babies. Thank you for sending that in. All right. This is from Kristen Pronoun. She and her. Hello, lovely ladies of the legumes. I wanted to submit a hey. shout out to my wonderful state since the beginning of the new year and your episode on lower insulin prices. Colorado was the first state to pass legislation to cap insulin prices back in 2019. Now, since then, we've seen other states do the same Medicare price caps. And now finally, the companies implement their new price structures. Now we're doing it with EpiPens too. As of January 1st, 2024, a two-pack of EpiPens are capped at $60 in Colorado. I can only hope mm. there's a similar effect culminating in affordable EpiPens for everyone in this country. I agree. Here's my pod pet picture of my boy Beto, pronounced like Beto O'Rourke, for Texas, not Beto, like the abbreviation of most unoriginal name Beethoven for St. Bernard. <laughs> he, w- <laughs> he would have been an adoptable pet in my area submission, but we foster failed. we foster failed him this past summer. He's 100% blind and bulldozes in and through everything. He's absolutely (laughs) perfect for us. Oh my God, he's so cute. Look at this St. Bernard bull in a china shop. Look at those arms. I love it. What an adorable baby. Thank you for that, uh, Kristen. And yeah, big shout out to Colorado. Very, very awesome. Oh, there's more pictures too. Look Look at those jowls. 
Oh, adorable. Thank you so much for that. Next up, Kate B. She and her. Hello, Superstar Frijoles. I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you adding. Take care of your mental health at the end of your podcast. I've struggled with mental health issues for a very long time, and they've only gotten more challenging as I age. As you know, our world can be unkind to older women, especially when we're child-free. Yes, I do know. Nevertheless, there is good news. Even if the world might not see it, we older women are continuing to be the badasses we have always been. When I hear you talk about taking care of your mental health, I sit up a little straighter and I remember to do things like look out the window and see how beautiful the sky is today. I can never adequately express how much your podcasts, all of them, mean to me. I always end the show feeling more hopeful and determined to keep fighting the good fight. Here is my pod pet tax. This is Birdie. Although she's getting closer and closer to crossing the rainbow bridge, I'm trying not to grieve in advance and remember that loss, as hard as it is, reminds us to hold precious those beings we love. Birdie is a rescue dog uh, and a mix of several uh, breeds. Want to guess which? Of course I do. Um, uh, let's see. A couple of hints. Hints. No. Hint number one. She's not the kind of dog the animal shelter thought she was based on her appearance. Okay. Well, that's not going to help us at all. <laughs> so she's the opposite of what she looks like. Great. I'm thanks. Like, I know she's a she's a <laughs> thanks, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, if you take a close look at her mouth, especially up near her jaw, and note the relative closeness of her eyes, you might be reminded of a breed of dog that you, A.G., knew in your childhood. What? How do, what? That sounded creepy stalker, but also very sweet. I know. Okay. All right. Okay. Childhood dog. This dog looks really Up close to her jaw. Is floof. There's a lot of floof. Close together eyes. Soft-coated Wheaton Terrier. Okay. It's a dog from my childhood. Maybe um, there's some spots. Maybe chow. there's some, uh, uh, not Aussie, but healer or something in there. Catahoula, right. And a healer. <laughs> and a soft-coated Wheaton Terrier. That's all I could think of. That's a beautiful out. dog. Let's see. Scrolling down. Nope. Scrolling down. <laughs> Great Pyrenees from my youth. And a lab. There we go. And Kuvas, and Hungarian breed of flock guardians. I love Kuvas. They're so beautiful. They they kind of look like the Pyrenees, which you and I both know from me from my childhood. Totally left and that you out. From Stephanie Miller, yeah. And you from Stephanie Miller. Thank you for that. Absolutely beautiful pup. I got the lab part right. Did I even say lab? Probably not. Maybe in I your got head. zero percent. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This one's from KB. Pronounce he and him. Hey, AG and DG. I've been meaning to share this good news with the Beans family for a year, and I decided I would finally sit down and do it when AG put out a call for student loan debt forgiveness stories last week on the pod. Now, long story short. Thanks to the temporary expansion of the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program in 2021, Dark Brandon wiped out almost $150,000 worth of student loan debt in one fell swoop. My wife and I are both in public service. And under my income-based repayment plan, I wasn't even covering the interest and was going to owe more at the end of my 10-year repayment period than I did when I finished my master's. What a bullshit thing we've got set up. Needless to say, uh, having this burden lifted has been huge for our family. We're planning on building a house this year. We've outgrown our starter home, and it may not have been possible without the relief. Unfortunately, most of our family are Fox News devotees, so I could have even I couldn't even share my good news with them without having to hear all the right wing talking points. But I know the Beans family would be happy for me. Joe Biden might be old but he's out here getting shit done for the regular people. Mm-hmm. Now for pod pet tags, I'm attaching pics of our dogs, Hazel and Nona. 
Hazel's a lab that is smashing Nona in the second picture. <laughs> Feel free to play what the mutt with Nona, the little brown one. She's a 30 pound rocket pig. Our friends who adopted her brother did one of those dog DNA things. So you can check your guesses against that. Thanks so much for Aww. all the good you both put out into the world every day. All right. So rocket pig. I mean, pig. the dog is getting smashed. Pug boxer. Pug boxer pity. Maybe Staffy, but that, yeah, that's, that's snout. Oh my God. That's funny. Rocket pig. I love it. All mm. right. Let's see what we've got here. We've got Pitbull, uh -huh. Staffy, Pug, Bulldog. And Supermutt. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. That Pug is coming through strong though at sure only 9.6%. Adorable. Thank you for that submission. Next up from Nicole, pronoun she and her. Just a note to say thank you for the clarification on Hercules being a stuffy on Wednesday's episode. <laughs> Added, I still have the image in my head of her holding up two dildos and waggling them about uh, and getting caught on camera. Oh, let's see. Here's a shit kid say to round that bit out. When my kid was two or three, she followed her dad into the bathroom. We're usually pretty open about bodies, body parts, etc., and focused on using proper names for body parts. But being quite young, she was familiar with her own body parts. Well, he dropped his pants to do his business and she took one look and said, Daddy, you have a really big vagina. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Patex attached. The black one is Venti and the white tabby is uh, Zhao. To clarify, they're both named after video game characters. Uh, not as most people think, especially when they see My Love of Coffee, a 20 ounce drink from the Mermaid Coffee Shop. Look. Hello, baby. So sweet. The little, I want to boop the nose on that kitty. The, the black and the void is adorable. That's a boop beautiful lamp too. I'm a, I am, I am my mother's daughter. That's a lovely lamp. <laughs> the photo of a cat, and of course the cat in the suitcase. Been there. Yep, been there, my friends. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for sending in your good news. Tomorrow's Fugle Sang Friday. Please send your good news in. Yeah, and I forgot about the the, the debt relief stories. Send those in. One hundred fifty thousand dollars, man. That is life changing. That is generational wealth. You know what I mean? Like I that's incredible. That's amazing. Thank you, POTUS. All right, everybody. Uh, we'll be back in yours tomorrow. Do you have any final thoughts, my friend? Not today. All right, everybody. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Uh, take care of your family. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>